1: There has always been political humor. It has always been part of the political discourse while serving several functions at one time from truth-telling to catharsis and also ideally it's supposed to be funny. Which brings us to the present moment, with the sharp spike that we are all seeing in comedy that is focused on politics, and especially on the man who currently occupies the Oval Office. We have all of those late-night monologues, the satirical cable shows, the columns and the podcasts, and of course, everybody and his brother is doing a Trump impersonation. But this spike in comedy, how sharp, comically speaking, is it really, now when we are so very polarized, how good and how successful is comedy at this moment, not just in getting us to think, but also in getting us to laugh. Well, we think this has the makings of a debate, so let's have it. Yes or no to this statement, Trump is bad for comedy. I'm John Donvan, and I stand between two teams of two who are experts in this topic by their life experience. They will be arguing for and against the resolution. As always, our debate will go in three rounds, and then our audience here at the K Playhouse at Hunter College in New York City will pick the winner. And as always, if all goes well, civil discourse will also win. Our resolution is Trump is bad for comedy. Let's meet the debaters, starting with the team arguing for the motion and starting with, ladies and gentlemen, P.J. O'Rourke. PJ, welcome back to Intelligence Squared US. You are a renowned political scientist, renowned, yes, and best-selling author. You have written 19 books on a variety of topics that cover politics and cars and war and cooking and cleaning. Uh, Your latest book came out this September with the title, None of My Business. So tell us, PJ, what is none of your business?
2: Politics. (laughs) I wish that politics were none of my business. If I had my My druthers, I would never hear the word politics again and just stay home and drink scotch and let the world go to hell on its own. eh? All right.
1: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, a look ahead at P.J. O'Rourke. And P.J.'s partner, please welcome Sarah Schaefer. Sarah, welcome to Intelligence Squared U.S. You are a stand-up comedian, you're a writer, you're a producer. You've already won two Emmy Awards. You've won a Webby Award for your work on Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. You were the co-host of MTV's Nikki and Sarah Live with comedian Nikki Glaser. When you were trying to break into comedy, which is a hard thing to do, you had a day job as an analyst at a securities fraud law firm how did that influence your stand-up career?
0: Uh, well, my job was to calculate damages for securities fraud cases, and that was like really deep in spreadsheets. And it directly influenced my comedy, because my first comedy that I did in New York was two songs, one about my cubicle, and one about Microsoft Excel. So. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Schaefer and the team arguing for the motion. And of course, we have a team arguing against the motion, and first, let's meet Kurt Anderson. Kurt, you are the well-known host of the public radio show Studio 360. You are a best-selling novelist. You're a journalist. Your most recent books include Fantasyland, got amazing reviews. Also, You Can't Spell America Without Me, which you co-wrote with Alec Baldwin. You also co-founded way back the satirical magazine called Spy. Uh, That magazine did a lot of Donald Trump coverage. Uh, About 30 years ago, the magazine sent Trump a check for 13 cents. What was the point? That was the, it. Was the end of a very long con, appropriately for
3: Donald Trump, where we sent 58 famous rich people checks for a dollar and 11 cents. Those who cashed them, about 30 of them, we sent another check for 64 cents. Those who cashed those, we, 11 of them, we sent checks for 13 cents. Two of the original 58 cashed the 13 cent checks. The arms dealer Adnan Khashoggi
1: and Donald Trump. <laughs> All right, thanks, Kurt, and your partner, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Billy Kimball. Billy, you are an Emmy Award-winning writer and a producer. You're currently working on the HBO comedy series called Veep, which stars Julia Louise dreyfus So tell us, why is Veep so successful?
4: Mark Twain famously said, except that he didn't really say it, that, that history doesn't repeat itself, it rhymes. And in the case of Veep, uh, although increasingly we have these these troubling moments when it actually seems like we're a, you know... Uh, rigorous documentary, Uh, (laughs) in fact, I would say that while we don't uh, report what's going on, we attempt to sort of rhyme with it. And I think that that um, seems to be somehow uh, in keeping with the current moment.
1: All right. Thank you, Billy Kimball and the team arguing against the motion. And now on to the debate. The debate goes in three rounds. Round one Is opening statements by each debater in turn, speaking first for the motion, Trump is bad for comedy. Here is Sarah Schaefer, critically acclaimed stand-up comedian, writer, and producer. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Schaefer.
0: I knew something was awry when, in 2016, uh, I did a show in a club in Atlanta, Georgia. And I said two words. I said Hillary Clinton. And I hadn't said anything about her yet. But a man in the front row went like this. That's when I knew something was wrong. (laughs) He didn't even know how I felt about it yet, and he was already having a visceral reaction. Since the election... Um, I've noticed a very palpable change in the environment in stand-up clubs. I, uh, as a comedian, I have kind of a sixth sense. Um, I can detect tight buttholes in a room. I can feel them. There are a few in here tonight, and I just encourage you to loosen just a little. Um, when I go into a club, I think Trump has made us all very tense. He has divided us down to a familial level. People have blocked their family members on Facebook. People have cut out family members out of their life. They've now found out that co-workers of theirs are now uh, mortal enemies, you know. So when they come to a club and I tell a joke about Trump, the people that laugh are on one side and the people that don't laugh are on the other. And now people are scared that a civil war is literally going to break out in the club. Um, That's not a good condition for comedy, So either my audience is divided or they don't want to hear about politics anymore because they're just sick of it. There's a fatigue of it at this point. Or they're on the other side, which is they want me to go off about politics. They want me to go off about Trump, but they don't even want me to be funny. They just want me to scream. There's this thing called clapter. It's uh, something that comedians are falling prey to right now. It's very tempting. Um, Clapter is when you make a really good point and everyone claps, but they're not laughing because what you said wasn't funny. It was just something that you believe. Um, I've seen many of my fellow comedians fall ill to this uh, uh, scourge. Um, again, not a good condition for comedy when you're being tempted. Thank you, sir. Thank you. <sighs> it's tempting. It's tempting. <laughs> the other part of this is um, truth is part of comedy. We like to hold up a mirror to society. We like to show a universal truth um, that unites the audience. But now we can't agree on what truth is anymore. It's hard to know what's real. And um, it's hard to describe and make fun of the shape of the world when a huge portion of your audience literally believes that it's flat. That's a problem. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Another thing about comedians is that we're supposed to be fearless. But now I have found that me and many of my fellow comedians are actually afraid. And part of that is because online we get harassed a lot. I get, um, you know, if I say anything political, sometimes it doesn't have to be political at all. I'll get harassed. Some of it's minor, sometimes it's weeks of rape or death threats. In fact, if you make a joke about Trump in the wrong place at the wrong time, those, that's where the serious consequences are. You literally have the president of the United States bullying you online, encouraging his followers to go after you. You have your shows canceled because there's credible bomb threats on your shows. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the conditions for comedy aren't good because of all that. Comedians need to feel free to be able to say what they want to say in an environment to break the tension but to not have the tension break them.
1: Thank you, Sarah Schaefer. Our next debater will be arguing against the resolution Trump is bad for comedy. It's Kurt Anderson, host of Studio 360, best-selling novelist and journalist. Ladies and gentlemen, Kurt Anderson. I just want to stipulate, first
3: off, that our uh, assignment here uh, is about what is bad for comedy, not whether Trump is bad for America. I will stipulate that Trump is bad for civility, justice, decency, democracy, uh, the the fear ratio that comedians face, and all kinds of things, but not bad for comedy. I also want to stipulate that here, what we're here to do is not prove that Trump is good for comedy, although we happen to think that there's plenty of evidence for that, but that he, he is not bad for it. So bad for comedy, what does that mean? Uh, we've, we've skirted around that, but, it, but there's two basic meanings that that can have, right? Uh, the creatively, substantively, it, it makes for worse comedy. It degrades the nature level of comedy that's available. And the commercial parts. Is it bad for the comedy industry? Well, the commercial part is easier to quantify and have actual facts to support. So take, for instance, The Late Show uh, with Stephen Colbert went on the air September 2015 when Donald Trump wasn't going to get the nomination, when Donald Trump certainly wasn't ever going to be elected president, and foundered, in the, got bad ratings, wasn't doing well, or was the show going to last. Sixteen months later, for the first time ever, uh, the late, uh, late Show with Stephen Colbert beats uh, what was then the number one show uh, tonight, starring uh, Jimmy Fallon. What, what happened sixteen months later? Donald Trump it was Donald Trump's first full week as president. Uh, Saturday Night Live, uh, the, 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 the season of Saturday Night Live that encompassed candidate, nominee, winner, President Trump for the first time, 2016-17, had the largest audience, Saturday Night Live, for a quarter century. Uh, I think there's a reason for that, and I think it's Donald Trump. The downside of Donald Trump and these people who work with him is that everybody thinks they're a comedian because it is indeed so obvious and so easy. And even some professional comedians were indulging, as soon as he was running, the huge as a joke, or look, he's orange, and, 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 and easy, bad uh, jokes. But in fact, I think, for professional comedians and satirists and humorists, like those who write Veep, that actually raises the bar for what they have to do to be successful. That the delightful and brilliant Sarah aside, I think what, what Trump does is make life very, very difficult for hack comedians and, and raises, this, raises everyone's standards. Um, uh, in that sense, he's certainly good for political comedy. Uh, and I don't think, again, from my personal experience, going on the road to, to promote this, this parody Trump memoir with Alec Baldwin last year... There was such a sense of catharsis and pleasure in in the audience. Uh, It it certainly convinced me in a visceral way I wouldn't have had from simply staring at a screen all day that the experience of of comedy about Donald Trump is indeed very gratifying to those who appreciate it. Um, They are dying to laugh. Is that bad for comedy? I don't think so.
1: Thanks very much. Thank you, Kurt Anderson. I'm John Donvan. Intelligence Squared U.S. continues in just a moment. And a reminder of where we are. We are halfway through the opening round of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan. We have four debaters, two teams of two, fighting it out over this motion. Trump is bad for comedy. You've heard the first two opening statements, and now on to the third, debating for the motion. P.J. O'Rourke, political satirist and best-selling
2: author. Ladies and gentlemen, P.J. O'Rourke. Well, He's certainly wrecked my sense of humor. I mean, we elected this giant infant to the White House, and in the White House, there's uh, its like having a loaded handgun in the home, you know, uh, except worse. It's the button, and, and sooner or later, this overgrown toddler is going to find it and set off all the nukes, and we're all going to die, Yeah, But it's worse for me, because I am a Republican, I'm, I'm a moderate Republican, I'm a moderate Republican. Don't think basket of deplorables, think gift basket of deplorables, okay? <laughs> Yummy tax breaks and a fine wine of social tolerance arrayed on a lovely bed of fiscal conservatism, okay? I'm just an old-fashioned country club Republican, not even an exclusive country club, uh, it, it, everybody's welcome. Then I wake up and I find out that the one person on earth who would be blackballed at my country club is president of the United States. And he cheats at golf. That is not funny. (laughs) Now, I'm not asking you to vote in favor of of tonight's resolution out of any personal empathy for me. Uh, Using simple logic, I can prove that our debate motion is, is, is true one, one syllogism. Major, major proposition, Trump is bad for the American way of life. Minor proposition, the American way of life is comical. Uh, conclusion, Trump is bad for comedy, QED. <laughs> now, mind you, we're not debating the question, is Trump funny? I mean, what I do for a living, or try to do for a living, is to use comedy as a journalistic technique for covering serious stories such as the President of the United States, and I give up. It is impossible to be funnier than this president of the United States. I've had some success in the past. I was funnier than Jimmy Carter. Uh, but I, I, I'm just not funny enough to be funnier than President Trump. Actually, Trump is worse than funny. He's worse he, than funny. He thinks he's funny. Uh, and, and thinking you're funny does not produce comedy. Uh, I, I tell you this as someone who once said to an ex-wife, but what if the kid has my looks and your brains? Um... <laughs> Funny itself isn't so funny, okay? Funny funny is actually kind of useless. I mean, humor is our response to the terrifying existential void. We laugh when we don't know what else to do, but I would argue that Donald Trump is not someone who ever leaves us in a position of not knowing what else to do. Vote for one thing. Trump is a joke. But you, but you can't make a joke about a joke or you quit being the comedian on the stage and start being the heckler in the crowd because you're angry. Comedy of course has a lot to do with anger. Comedy is a way of sublimating anger, a way of diverting anger, a way of turning anger aside, which brings us to the real question of tonight's debate, a serious question. Should we sublimate our anger at Donald Trump? Should we divert our anger? Or should that anger spur us to do something, something not funny but useful? Should we be trying to understand why our fellow Americans elected this idiot? Why, should we be trying to figure out a way to persuade our fellow Americans never to do anything that stupid again? Or should we be laughing our asses off? Thank you. Thank you, P.J. O'Rourke. And our
1: final debater against the resolution, Trump is bad for comedy, is Billy Kimball, writer and Emmy Award-winning producer for Veep. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Kimball. Thank you. Uh,
4: I do want to thank Intelligence Squared for inviting me to uh, be here tonight to argue the premise that Donald Trump is not bad for comedy, uh, an issue I have felt passionately about for over a quarter of a century. <laughs> As my colleague Kurt pointed out, we're not here. The bar for us, for our team, is not to to argue that Donald Trump is good for comedy, though though, uh, I'll take that position at least partially, but that simply that he's not bad for comedy. And in that regard, I I would ask you all to consider the the contrapositive situation in which we might have found ourselves at this point if things had gone very differently on Election Day 2016 – which is that we would have um, perhaps President Jeb Bush or President Marco Rubio or President Hillary Clinton or even President Bernie Sanders. Uh, Would any of those people have been better for comedy uh, than Donald Trump? I don't think so. I think we would be in a situation where we would uh, see um, not only the shows that, that Kurt brought up, with significantly lower ratings, but conceivably some of them off the air altogether. (laughs) As Kurt pointed out, we're not arguing uh, whether Donald Trump is good or bad, and we're not arguing whether Donald Trump is good or bad at comedy, but I would argue that Donald Trump, whether or not you think he's funny, uh, uses comedy, particularly ridicule, uh, very effectively. Donald Trump actually gets... His audience, and possibly some people on the fringes of his audience, worked up and on his side and changes their minds by virtue of the way that he uses uh, ridicule. And that is not something that happens perhaps as often as those of us who work in comedy like to think it does. And I think an example that maybe is top of mind for a lot of us is his uh, referring to Senator Elizabeth Warren as Pocahontas which one person seems to think is funny. Uh, but the rest of you, maybe not so much. And, and I'm not going to express an opinion about that as, a, as an acknowledged professional in the, in the area. But I'll say it, it forced her to do something, uh, which I would say, at least at this point, appears to have been a terrible error, possibly one that's, that may be disqualifying in terms of her ambitions to be president. Yeah. Uh, so that's an effective use of comedy that uh, is good for comedy in that it proves its, its potency, but which perhaps is a bad thing in every other way that, uh, that you can think of. <laughs> However, if you agree with that premise, I believe you still have to uh, support uh, our side. I will uh, report to you listening on radio or on the podcast that our opponents uh, have left the stage. (laughs) And I don't know. They were shaking their heads, and we're just going to try and, uh, and carry on.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Billy Kimball. And that concludes round one of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, where our resolution is, Trump is bad for comedy. Now we move on to round two, and in round two, the debaters address one the, another directly, and they take questions from me and from you, our live audience, here at the K Playhouse in New York City. The team arguing for the resolution Trump is bad for comedy, Sarah Schaefer and PJ O'Rourke, are saying that conditions for comedy under the Trump era have turned sour, that when we cannot disagree on the truth, you can't really set up the premise of a joke in the first place. Comics are actually afraid, they're being harassed. The team arguing against the resolution, Kurt Anderson and Billy Campbell, they're saying it's, the issue isn't whether comedy, uh, Trump is good for comedians, but whether it is good for comedy. They're saying yes, from the point of view of how the industry is doing. They point to the ratings of shows on Trump and how well they're doing. And bottom line, they say, because of Trump, audiences today are dying to laugh. And, Sarah, I want to take it back to you, That this notion that audiences are dying to laugh that Kurt Anderson laid out. You you challenged that, I think, to some
0: degree in your opening statement. So take a response to that. It depends on the audience. You know, the people coming to see Alec Baldwin are coming to see him because they like what he's done, you know, regarding Trump. So... I'm coming at it from like I'm getting really a mix of people when I perform, and and it's not partisan. I feel like people come to a com- It's the only art form that people show up to. They'll go, "Let's go see comedy tonight," and they won't research what kind of comedy it is. So I'll get people in the audience leaving um, if they feel like I've you know I'm not on their side or heckling in a way that's very political. Um, and then I, then I'm angry.
1: Let well, me we take that to Craig Anderson.
3: All comedy, it seems to me, or nearly all comedy and humor and satire, we're not only talking about stand-up perform comedy, uh, has, has you know, an audience. And so the audience for political humor may not be, you know, most of, of many of your audiences, but there is obviously this fervent desire for, for Trump comedy, for better or for worse. I, I would also say that the, to the idea that, oh, Trump is too terrible to deal with in a comedic fashion. I mean, one of the greatest movies of all time, To Be or Not to Be, about made fun of Nazis during, the world, during world War II. Uh, Dr. Strangelove made fun of the end of the world in the nuclear Armageddon at the height of the Cold War. So the idea that, that somehow, because this guy and, and, and what he represents and the movement he is leading is, is, is so terrible, is not, to me, an argument that, like, nope, okay. comedy and humor is not the way to go. Did P.J. Orourke to respond to that?
2: Those, those works of art, those comic works of art, um, offered a, an alternative view to the standard view that was on deck a, 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 at the time. And in that sense, I would say that, that having been like a, a teenager when um, Dr. Strangelove came out, that it actually sort of changed my mind or made me actually think about what the prospect of nuclear war actually uh, 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 might mean. And that's why you became a pro-war guy, I guess, after that. <laughs> that took years and years. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't until the draft was over that I became pro-war. <laughs> yeah, it's where, but what, I, what I'm concerned about, and I think it sort of degrades comedy, uh, is th- that uh, merely making mock of someone is not changing any minds. If anything, I would say that mockery of Trump supporters is probably solidifying his support. What do you think of that argument?
4: I don't know for certain whether or not uh, Trump's ridicule uh, changes mind in the immediate present. I think the fact that he has uh, a penchant for that kind of contemptuous behavior is something that people like about him. So that's an aspect of his personality I think has drawn people to him. And whether or not it's, it's, it's changed minds, it certainly has proven politically effective and is... So of your, essential your answer is to basically his appeal.
2: H-bombs are good for nuclear power.
4: I, um, you got yes. me.
2: <laughs> well, you know, and I actually I think that that is a strong argument. I mean, Trump does very effectively use humor. Uh, and, and then we're going to have to fall back on that. That, you know, intellectual and moral puzzle of the definition of what bad yeah, is. Yeah, well, I,
4: I didn't make the question, remember. I, yeah, I, I have no, to win whatever I, way, whatever I. <laughs> way I can. No,
1: no, no. Sarah, Sarah, what about, Sarah Schaefer, what about the, the point that Billy Kimball just made? That uh, because there's so much bad Trump comedy, it actually raises the bar for good comedy, and that good comedy is happening. The bar's being
0: met. Sure. I mean, you know, Kurt suggested that I'm a hack, um, and that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I think <gotta play laughs> he carved out an exclusion. I, yeah, I know you job. did. She knows where he lives. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, I agree. It, is, it is, sets a higher standard, I guess, in that the, the pool is flooded and you have to separate yourself. If you're going to do a Trump joke, it has to be different. That's kind of the case with whatever is the big thing in the news at the time, or what the zeitgeist is. You know, there's a point where everybody's making the same joke, and you have To make sure you're not that your joke is unique to your point of view. I think for Trump, you know, I'm just going to always go back to the fact that, like, yeah, um, you know, movie making fun of Hitler, great, but I would have rather have not had Hitler. Do you know what I'm saying? So, like, Trump is bad for comedy because Trump is bad for the world. I can't get around that.
4: Uh, Moving, moving rapidly past whether or not we're pro or against Hitler. Uh, I do think we can look at uh, a, a particular low water mark in in what I guess you could call political comedy, but only barely which was which was the Clinton presidency when when you know, Jay Leno did, did two and a half years of of Monica Lewinsky jokes. It, you had a single subject under under Clinton that dominated all others, and with Trump, you have this you know frequently commented on kind of cornucopia of hourly. Riches uh, of things to use as as an actual premise, and I'd say in that regard, um, it's not simply raising the bar uh, uh, in terms of of demanding a higher quality, but it's also a much more vigorous workout for comics.
3: And and let me just—I think since I think specific examples of great comedy that come out of this are are useful, and ones that maybe a lot of people have seen. I think of another Saturday Night Live sketch called Black Jeopardy where Tom Hanks plays a Trump supporter who finds along with the black contestants on Black Jeopardy that they have a lot in common. It was it was a genius piece of writing and and
1: I could go on. There there are there well, are examples let, of brilliant comedy out of the Trump So Nightmare. Let me take the, that point to Sarah Schaefer. So what your opponents are saying is they're citing some examples.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, I laughed at all those things and I think there's been definitely I, I mean, there's been some really brilliant comedy um, about Trump um, some of which include my own jokes about him um, <laughs> no but um, I think like my friend uh, very funny comedian Kurt Brownler has a really funny joke about Trump right now and he put it online and it was like really popular online in clubs it's a whole different ball game and I'll just finally just say one more thing I have to say this but like Billy, you know, you argued, like, Trump used the word Pocahontas, which is a racist slur, um, to make a joke about Elizabeth Warren. And um, Trump, to me, uses comedy not effective... Yes, it's effective, but he uses it as, as a weapon and a defense. So he uses it to rile up hate, and then he'll... When someone goes and shoots up a synagogue, he's like, well, I was just kidding. And it's like, it feels insane. So no, in that way, to me, Trump is bad for comedy. And it's, you know...
2: Bad for its reputation.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. again,
3: stipulating that Trump is bad, we are all agreed. But to the point of, that Billy made earlier of, of this weaponized comedy proving for the first time after debate as long as I've been aware of the idea of humor and satire and comedy that, whoa, does this actually have any political effect? Yes, it does. And I, I think back to the person who was my favored Democratic candidate until last October, when his life changed. Was Al Franken? Thinking, my God, this guy could take it to this president where he lives uh, and be both serious and substantive and fair and rational and all the things that Al Franken is, but also not attempt something he has no
1: ability at, as Marco Rubio did about the short fingers. I want to get to the point that things move very, very fast. I mean, the news media is having difficulty with how fast things move, how, how, how something that Trump does on... Monday might be the material for a news story, but also a joke. But on Tuesday, it's already 100 years old, whatever happened on Monday. Does that raise a particular challenge to do comedy well in the Trump era?
4: Yeah, it does. I mean, it it genuinely does. And, and for example, there was a a comment, a a joke about the the shows, uh, uh, among other things, very dirty. And uh, if anyone is listening on NPR with small children in their car, you might want to change the channel. But there was a joke about a, a golden shower. Probably most children listening will be fine with that, uh, and uh, uh, it sounds nice. And uh, and and we had to go back and edit it out after that became a a, a topic related to Trump. We never, in a, I mean, who would have thought that we would have had to remove a reference to a golden shower in Veep because the president would somehow beat us to it. Uh, and. I'll say, speaking strictly personally, um, Trump has been bad for the process of comedy uh, as it bears on on what we do in some respects.
1: Um, Sir? Richard here. A lot of the items you identified for the problems you encounter out on the road um, go beyond comedy and the divisiveness, the reluctance to put certain things on the table and so forth. Are you suggesting that... The topic is simply off-limits because if one of the functions of comedy is to criticize, that suggests it's just off-limits altogether.
0: Right. Um, I'm always of the camp that nothing is off-limits in comedy, even stuff that um, is really offensive or whatever. I mean, if you're going to f- try to make a joke about something offensive, that's on you. You have to deal with whatever the audience reaction is going to be. Um, so I think, no, Trump is definitely not off-limits. I think it's just... It's sort of like a plague, you know? It's, like, kind of toxic. It's difficult to do. Like, for me personally, just so you know, like, my jokes right now are about what it's like to be an American as opposed to about Donald Trump. That's my way of dealing with it.
1: Still to come, more questions from the audience and the results of tonight's debate when Intelligence Squared U.S. continues. I want to remind you that we are in the question and answer section of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate. I'm John Donvan, your moderator. We have four debaters, two teams of two debating this resolution, Trump is bad for comedy. Down here, on the mic's coming up from behind you.
0: Hi, Adina here. Uh, When I ask myself if something is good for something else, I have to think of sustainability. So think of the analogy, is coffee good for energy level? If I'm a huge coffee addict, I'm certainly going to feel great when I drink it, but I'm going to have a crash that I wouldn't have had later. And if I don't drink it the next day, I'm going to have a really bad headache, and my energy level would not be what it would be if I weren't a coffee addict. To your point about the numbers happening on the industry of television comedy now, what happens when we take Trump away? Can the industry even stand on its own two feet? Dina,
2: come up here and join the team. Let's get her up. We, we, can, we take, can we put Dina on our...
3: That is certainly Donald Trump's argument, who says again and again and again, the media needs me. The media needs me. That's why I'll be reelected. The media will make sure I'm reelected. So that is Donald Trump's argument. And... I think you make a great point about sustainability. And to that point, I would say, yes, a second term of Trump would be bad for comedy. We're not there yet. Thank goodness. In the second row here, please.
0: Hi, I'm Barbara. Would you agree that Trump... The jokes are not about Trump, but Trump is really a concept. And it's about everything that relates to him. Uh, Sean Spicer... Sarah Sanders, the female Tom Carvel, isn't he good for comedy because he has actually broadened the cast the whole... of characters? Yeah,
2: I'll take it. Um, let's. I think that's a challenge well, to decide our You know, the thing, it, thing yeah. is, you know, to get really technical and legally lawyerly about this, comedy in, in, in it, it, is, comedy implies a happy ending. And I'm just not seeing a happy ending in that. And so just on that, even though he has spawned many comic characters, and we comedians, we supply-side people thank him for that, uh, uh, I would not say it's good for comedy in the sense well, that... Well, it's,
3: it's good for dark comedy, uh, which rarely has or often doesn't have happy endings. So we can get into the debate about various flavors and strains of yes, comedy. Yes, yeah, we could. I mean, I it would say not.
4: that, that uh, you know, the... The ancillary characters often have served that purpose in previous administrations. So the president was colorless or, or somehow less interesting. You know, you had, you had your Billy Carters and your, your Dick Cheneys. And, uh, you know, so that's always an aspect to it. But I think we, we all need to remember as we talk about that the premise actually isn't even political comedy. But while a lot of comedy is Trump... Uh, not all comedy is trump, and there 's plenty of other things out out there that are going on and, and Comedians who you work with i 'm sure are doing still doing i hope you know airline humor and uh, and if they don't if they don 't choose to engage on on trump they can they can just deal with audiences on that on that uh, traditional ground
1: yeah, absolutely, sir sure. on the aisle uh, hi i 'm Alex. What about the deterrent
3: effect? People are literally being threatened with death for making jokes so and if that continues what number of comedians or writers would just say screw it I'll do airline jokes isn't that bad for comedy
1: it's a very speculative question but I, I think probably it's one everybody's thinking about is the thing that you're talking about Sarah like gonna grow or not and so much that this depends on venue I mean I, I don't think deep's ever going to be in trouble in that way um, or, or a novelist, but let's let's chew on that question just for a little bit. I mean, are you foreseeing yeah. that this thing is going to go so that people are just going to bail out of that? I mean,
0: I think it depends on the person. Some comedians get off on pissing people off, and that's their thing. I'm not like that. Um, I think there's a sort of weaponization of outrage, and an easy target is a comedian because, especially online, where you can't. Uh, If you dig back and see a tweet from 10 years ago, the context was different, and now they're offensive, or now we don't like those words. And that's not necessarily a Trump thing. That's like an outrage thing. Um, But Trump definitely plays into that, I think, because he he taps into it. He's very good at using keywords and things to get people riled up and, you know. We are in an
2: atmosphere of taboo inflation. There's absolutely no doubt about it. And it's coming from both political, all political directions. Uh, I, I would say that we're on a point of kind of a, a new sort of prudery in our society. Um, so that's, that, uh, that's not a Trump-driven thing.
3: I would say it's the other way around. I'd say I think you're right. There's an argument that the, the reaction against PC and taboo uh, enlargement and all that is, is a real thing and a real argument to have or, and indeed drove people to Trump. But I don't think Trump drove it
2: uh, a- at all. I think an it- angry atmosphere in in a society, especially when it is com- e- pr- producing, perhaps, or combined with taboo inflation, and the result is bad for humor, bad for I-
4: I would say, But I'm curious about this, P.J., because I think you know one of the things that that seems to be f- frequently claimed about Donald Trump, and maybe Donald Trump says about himself, is that he participates in the uh, breaking down of, of accepted norms of, of discourse. So if that's the case, if taboo inflation is what's being bad for comedy, then I would say Donald Trump is a force in society standing firmly against that by virtue of his own taboo-breaking behavior.
3: And a good part of comedy and humor has always been approaching taboos and, and, and breaking them, and that's what makes people laugh, because oh, look what she said, look what he said.
4: Uh, yes. Hi, Daniel. Um, perhaps comedy is a little too good for Trump. You know, if the dictator was good for Hitler, would that affect how good it was for comedy? And Trump is very good at turning comedy into things that are good for him because he understands media in a way that is intriguing and different. So if you could answer that. Thank you. So I guess you could say that I suppose, yeah, the Nazis use sort of forms of... of of heinous ridicule that was that was effective but despicable and was that good for comedy? And Kurt has prepared a really interesting answer on that that I think <laughs> I'd like him to deliver to you now.
3: I I, I I honestly I mean I can't tell you how many times I have been in conversations sometimes on a stage even about and, and certainly asked by journalists and especially in the age of Trump. Well, what can satire do? Can it really have an effect? Yes, it's, it's, it, it is the discovery of a kind of atomic energy. Uh, and and as, as horrible as it has been, it doesn't mean uh, it's been bad for comedy, just that it has, it has changed the nature of politics. And by the way, the nature of politics were changing long before Donald Trump and becoming a subset of show business. This is just the latest permutation of the the show business politics merger.
1: Sarah I feel like you want to respond to that as somebody who talked about weaponization of humor before.
0: Yeah I mean I think comedy is at its best when it is um, punching up and um, it's about power dynamic and stuff and so Trump's version of comedy is you know uh, slurs and making, you know, just middle school humor. And what that does, it doesn't change his supporters' minds. I think it, it unleashes what was in there already. It's like, oh, we get to say that now? Yay! You know, and, and that's disturbing.
2: Uh, it's interesting. One reason I would say that Trump is bad for comedy is that because of the, of the point I made, that Trump is a comic and he's a lousy one. Now, if you take somebody that many of you people in this room probably disagreed with, too, the rest of you weren't born, uh, Ronald Reagan, he was funny. I mean, a guy's laying on the operating table after being shot and looks up at the doctors and says, I hope you're Republicans. I mean, the guy was funny, you know, and, and, and that, was a, that was a much more of a fair contest between comedy and, and, and the president. This guy's a lousy comedian. Ladies and gentlemen, that
1: concludes round two of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate, where the resolution is, Trump is bad for comedy. Now we move on to round three, and round three will be closing statements by each debater in turn, making his closing statement in support of the motion, P.J. O'Rourke, political satirist and best-selling author.
2: Thank you. I want to get honest with you, Uh, the real reason that I think Trump is bad for comedy is that he's keeping me from making fun of you liberals, Um, because you're right about Trump. I voted for Hillary. I voted for Hillary. Never mind that Hillary had Julian Assange set up the State Department email server, uh, put the Dalai Lama on security duty at the U.S. Consulate of Benghazi, and the geopolitical conflicts of interest at the Clinton Foundation were so large they had to be weighed on Chris Christie's bathroom scale, you (laughs) know? I voted for her. I voted for her. I was having fun with Hillary, and I expected to have eight more years of fun with Hillary, but no. No. My political party is being held prisoner by the abominable showman. Um, The GOP is a slum at the mercy of rent-gouging landlord of the flies. You know, we have two parties in this country, and we have the stupid party and the silly party uh, the Democrats, the silly party, they say that government can do everything give us free health care, free college tuition, fifty dollars an hour minimum wage, cure baldness you know and the republicans the the, 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 the stupid party uh, they say that government doesn 't work, and then they get elected and they prove it i 'm um, stupid i 'm stupid, so I, I usually vote for the stupid party. I vote Republican because republicans uh, have fewer ideas, okay? But with Trump, all of a sudden, no, no, not few enough, you know? I mean, so I just want to close by saying that, look, as, as, as liberals, as liberals, Trump is outside your house pissing on the windows. As a Republican, Trump is inside my house pissing on the wall-to-wall carpet, and that's why I think he's bad for comedy. Thank you, PJ O'Rourke, and that is the resolution Trump is bad for comedy and here
1: making his closing statement against the motion, Billy Kimball, writer and Emmy Award winning producer for Veep
4: uh, I'm going to be very brief because I'm afraid PJ took my Chris Christie bathroom scale joke <laughs> uh, I don't want to win here tonight on the technicality but, but I'll take it um, I I refer you in closing to to the question, to the proposition. Donald Trump is bad for comedy. You're not voting on whether or not Donald Trump is bad. You're not voting on whether Donald Trump is bad at comedy. Uh, You're voting on simply the narrow question of, is Donald Trump bad for comedy? My point, and I think the the point we've made throughout the evening, is that that there is, uh, thanks to Donald Trump, there is uh, more comedy. And Donald Trump himself like it or not, has proven that comedy can be an effective, what I'll call, tool. Uh, So as much as we may not like what Donald Trump uses comedy for, he has shown us a way forward for perhaps a more... Uh, effective and potent use of comedy uh, in support of the arguments and the candidates that we do believe in. And in that sense, um, he's given the art form uh, some new life. People flatter themselves that they live in the worst of times, the best of times. There was uh, time within living memory in the end of the 60s when there was uh, uh, active violence in the street and more, more potent... Um, Disagreements, even than we have now, there was a time in the century before that when the debate became so uncivil that there actually was an uncivil war. With that in mind, uh, I wouldn't ask you to uh, despair too much of the of the uh, partisan moment, but to look forward uh, to to a brighter day. And uh, uh, and if you support a brighter day, I hope you'll vote in favor. <laughs> of us. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Billy Kimball. That resolution, again, Trump is bad for comedy. Here to make her closing statement supporting the motion, Sarah Schaefer, critically acclaimed stand-up comedian, writer, and producer.
0: Hello. (laughs) Um, My closing argument is just a little anecdote. Um... A few months ago, uh, some friends of mine and I, uh, uh, we were all individually approached to be a part of a new TV show hosted by a uh, left-wing media personality. The show did not go forward, so don't try to figure out what it is. We were approached uh, individually like to be a writer, a correspondent on the show, different roles. And uh, my boyfriend, when I told him about it, his first response was, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, why? And he was like... Because it might ruin your life and it might um, threaten your safety, if you want to be in that bullseye. And I thought about it, and I still applied. <laughs> um, and a friend of mine also applied, and she got as far as going in for an interview. And while in there, she, um, the host, apparently said to her along the line, something along the lines of, "If you do this as a as a pitch to her, if you do this show, Trump will know your name." And she said how are you going to ensure my personal safety? And they laughed it off. And they were like, you'll be fine. And she turned it down. My final point is that if comedians, who are truly the most desperate people for attention and fame, are turning down huge opportunities um, because of Trump, then yes, Trump is bad for comedy, obviously.
1: Thank you, Sarah Schaefer. And that's The Resolution. Trump is bad for comedy. And here to make his closing statement against The Resolution, Kurt Anderson, host of Studio 360, best-selling novelist and journalist.
3: Uh, I noticed d- during the uh, middle part of, of the debate, uh, Sarah said a couple of things, several things, in fact, that I thought, "Whoa, good, she's on our side. She's proving her point. She said, for instance, oh, uh, there's definitely been brilliant comedy about Trump. Uh, She said that, uh, uh, no, she knows plenty of comedians who steer clear of Trump and are doing great. Again, hard to argue that uh, Trump is bad for comedy if that's so. Also, he, he is not bad for comedy because it's so easy to get under his skin. He gives comedy the power to unsettle him, and comedy at his expense really does upset him, which... Strikes Me is good for comedy and America. It's a twofer. Um, he raged when SNL, in particular, raged when Saturday Night Live ran a, had a sketch of him being the dim-witted child to Steve Bannon, who was really in control. Uh, he was angry uh, at me and my, my co-editors at Spy Magazine 30 years ago when over and over and over again we referred to him as short-fingered Bulgarian Donald Trump every time we referred to him in Spy Magazine. And it still stings. Within the last couple of years, he has sent a letter to my co-editor saying, No, look, my fingers are really normally sized. Um, You can't ask for much more comic success than that, it seems to me. Now, seriously, I get Sarah's point. The stakes are very high for America. The stakes are of course, naturally high for comedy that is engaged in the big issues of America. Um, They're going to be. And it's going to be scary for comedians. It's going to be scary for critics. It's going to be scary for journalists. It's scary for us. And that's the way it is. And finally, I I think comedy has an important role as a canary in this particular mine we've been trapped in for the last two years. Because as long as we can still find things about this nightmare to laugh about. Uh, He has not yet won.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Kurt Anderson. And that concludes round three of this Intelligence Squared U.S. debate where the resolution is Trump is bad for comedy. Okay, I have the results now. It's all in Once again, reminding you, it's the difference between the first and the second vote that determines our winners. The resolution, Trump is bad for comedy. In the first vote, 35% of you agreed with this resolution, 42% disagreed, 23% were undecided. In the second vote, the team arguing for the motion, Trump is bad for comedy. Their first vote was 35%. Their second vote was 37%. They picked up two percentage points, which is the number to beat. Let's look at the team against the motion. Their first vote was 42%. Their second vote was 54%. That's 12 percentage points they picked up. That's enough. That makes the team arguing against the resolution, Trump is bad for comedy, our winners. Our congratulations to them. Thank you for me, John Donvan, and Intelligence Squared Yes. We'll see you next time. This Intelligence Squared U.S. debate was recorded live at the K Playhouse Theater in New York City. Robert Rosenkrantz is our chairman. Leah Matthau is chief content officer. Amy Kraft is director of operations and production. Shea O'Mara is manager of editorial operations. Taylor Quimby and Rob Christensen are the radio producers. Damon Whittemore is the audio engineer. And I'm your host, John Donvan. These debates are made possible by generous contributions from listeners like you and with support from the Rosencrantz Foundation, David A. Coulter, Robert Epstein, the Christopher W. Johnson Charitable Trust, Ilona Namath and Alan Quasha, the George L. Orstrom Jr. Foundation, Jerry Orstrom, Kelly Posner Gerstenhaber, the Mortimer D. Sackler Foundation, Jennifer and Philippe Zelendi, the Paul E. Singer Foundation, Edward Stern and Stephanie Rain, and Emily and Antoine Van Actmill. From me, John Donvan, and Intelligence Squared U.S., thank you all very much. Now we are asking for your help. When you give Intelligence Squared U.S. debates five stars on Apple Podcasts or Google Play, you help other people find us. So if you enjoy our debates, please rate and review us.
2: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine,